If you've been there and you have your Bibles ready, 2 Samuel chapter number 12, if you will please stand with me for the reading of God's word. This morning, 2 Samuel uh, chapter number 12, and it says this. It says, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor, and the rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb. Which he had brought, which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler, I want to say traveler. Come on, everyone say traveler with me. You know, I, I'm one of those hollerback preachers, all right? So you got to help me preach this morning if you want to be out by 12, all right? And so, and a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd. And to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he had did this thing. He had had no pity. And then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anoint you king over Israel and I delivered you. From the hand of Saul, I gave your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Father, today I thank you for your word. God, I thank you, God, for this great church. I thank you. God, for the hungry people that have come this morning expecting something from you. Father, Lord, this morning, God, I ask, Lord, that you would meet every need, every circumstance, every situation in this place. God, we've come expecting something great from you. And where you are, God, there is liberty and there is freedom. And, Father, we declare that in this house on this Sunday morning. Father, Lord, this morning, I ask, Lord, that you would lift me up above my abilities, above my talents, above those things which you had called me into, God, and that your word would penetrate through me, would come straight from your throne room, Father. God, Lord, I ask, Lord, that I would just simply be a vessel. God, anoint me, Father, for this time, for this hour, for this moment. And we give you praise and honor and glory. in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. You may be seated on this Sunday morning. Amen. This morning, I want to be speaking to us on the topic of being connected to the Lamb. When Pastor Heath had called me a couple of months ago, and uh, we, we'd scheduled this service, but then he called me about a month and a half ago and asked what I really felt like I'd be preaching on, and, and I told him at that moment that I felt like I'd be preaching on David and being connected to the Lamb, and, and we both kind of had a comical laugh because uh, he told me that he had already planned that there would be a series he'd be teaching on David. So uh, I'm assuming y'all have been still in that series and been teaching on that. So it, it's just always great and awesome of how God always works things out. Amen. And so this morning I want to talk to us and and speak to us just for a little while about being connected to the Lamb. I believe it is highly important for us to stay connected to the Lamb. Amen. And I want us to understand this morning before I get fully into the God's Word, I want us to understand that whenever you hear the word Lamb throughout the Word of God, that it always points towards Jesus Christ. And so in essence this morning what I'm saying is that in all things, our family and our personal life and everything, that we must all always be a generation of people who are connected to Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm not talking to a bunch of people this morning that are just connected to Jesus Christ on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, but we must be a people who are connected to Jesus Christ every single place we go. Amen. Amen. Are you with me this morning? 
All right, all right. So how many of you this morning have some pets? How many of you have a dog or a cat or any, you know, just weird animal, whatever, you know, a giraffe, I don't know, whatever you have. But how many of you have some pets? Come on, raise your hands. You know, don't be ashamed. How many of you have some pets that live in your home that are actually inside pets? Amen? Yes, we all, we all you know, I grew up uh, on a farm. I still live on a farm. I've had pets uh, all my life, different things. And I began to think about this, this story that, uh, within the Word of God. And I began to think about how the lamb and how they were connected. Connected to the lamb, and, and I began to think about how that that we all grow up, especially as kids, and, and we have different animals that we're connected to, and, and different things that we welcome into our home. And, and there's one great thing is that how many of you know that whenever you have a dog or a cat or an animal that lives in your home, it doesn't matter what kind of animal it is, that animal becomes a part of your family. Amen. And, and I can remember growing up of having those dogs and having those cats, and today I still have quite a few different animals. But but I, I began to think about all those things. And I did a little research on it about what it what it's like to have you know pets in your home and what what are the the benefits of having pets in your home. I mean I know that we can look at that and there's a lot of uh, not so much benefits of having pets in home when they're uh, especially you know young and growing. But but the statistic tells us that that pets make a person less lonely because they give someone there for them. Pets also help us in the midst of rejection times to do the brush that all. Pets also provide. Uh, a, a major buffer in our lives whenever stress comes because we go to those pets and we can relieve that stress. Pets also are known statistically to protect the human heart. They're, they're known to detect when something is wrong on the inside of you. Pets also help keep your brain sharp. That must mean that I need to stop by a pet store on the way home and buy some more. But uh, pets are there also to encourage us to exercise more, to keep us more healthy. Pets are there to ease our pain. Pets are there to, to make us, you know, if we have kids and all, to, that our allergies are less likely to occur when there are pets are in the home. And pets are there to, to help uh, children with blood sugars and different things. There, there are many different things that whenever you study the life of pets and you understand when they're in in a home, when you are connected to an animal and you're connected to a pet, that there are different benefits that come along with that. And this morning, I I don't want to talk to us about being connected to a dog or being connected to a cat. I want to talk to us this morning about being connected to the greatest person that we could ever be connected to, amen, Jesus Christ. And and so in this story that we read in 2 Samuel chapter number 12, we read this story that is directly after Jesus. David had committed one of the one of the greatest failures that we look at in the Word of God that is known to David, to where he had just went up to the rooftop and he had looked upon Bathsheba and he lusted after her and he'd slept with her and had a child with her. And not only if that wasn't enough that he had committed that sin, he he went in even further and he committed murder with that sin to try to hide that sin and try to cover that sin up. So so right directly behind this monumental moment in, in David's life, we we see that the prophet by the name of, uh, of Nathan comes by to speak to David. And, and we must understand here that the David in this context that we are reading about in 2 Samuel chapter number 12 after his moral failure and after 
after his, his moment of weakness and, and after he'd been through these things that he went through. This is not the same David that we think of. This is not the same David that we previously read about. Because if you go through the Word of God, you'll, you'll remember reading about David as being the giant killer. Amen? You'll read about David being the one who, who when everyone else and all the other armies backed down and didn't want to go out and fight, that David was the young lad at 12, 14 years old that, that was unashamedly ready to step in front uh, of this giant Goliath and, and sling a stone at him and, and defeat this giant Goliath. We, we read about this David who, who at a young age was anointed to be king over Israel but, but didn't allow that to go to his head. But at the moment when he was anointed to be king, he, he could have stepped directly into that and said, I am the king, now everyone bow to me. But in that moment, this King David chose to ask his father, can I go back to tending to the sheep? And he left that moment knowing that he was anointed to be king. And he went back on the backside of the fields and began to continue to tend to the sheep and began to love on the sheep. And on the backsides of those fields, we read stories about how David, as he wrote in the Psalms, that of how David was in those moments and he would play his harp and he would begin to sing to God and he would just be to allow praises to come. We read about a David who was a mighty warrior, a David who fought. You know, this morning we sang, we sang the song of this is how I fight my battles. You know, to, to us it might just seem like another song that's just a catchy song. But when you understand the meaning behind that song of understanding that you don't fight your battles just by singing. You fight your battles by your hands in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of your situations, and understanding that it doesn't matter how bad my situations are. It doesn't matter how bad my circumstances are. It doesn't matter how bad my sickness or my disease is. I still serve a God who is the healer. I still serve a God who is the deliverer. I still serve a God who is a provider. That's how we fight our battles. We don't look upon our circumstances because it's easy for us to look upon our circumstances. But the second part of that song says, It may look like I'm surrounded. The enemy wants to get our focus on our circumstances, but we need to get our focus on the God of our circumstances. Amen. And whenever we realize that in the midst of what we're going through, that we can get on the backside of a place and get all alone in a place and just lift our hands and just begin to worship God. Can I tell you that is the greatest moment that you will ever fight the greatest battles that you have ever faced. And that is how we make it through those moments. We read about David in, in all throughout the word of God of how that as he would begin to play the harp, that demons would begin to tremble and, and demons would begin to flee as he played it before Saul. We read about all those things, but now we find a position in the word of God to where we find a different David that we've never seen before. We find a, a David who has now become powerful, a David who has now become king. We find a David who had now reached a place to where he seemed to be be untouchable. Now he's reached a place where he's had that affair with Bathsheba. He's committed murder and he's tried to live a life that is a lie. How did this happen in the life of David? How did this occur in his life? I think it goes back to the story that Nathan began to tell towards David. as He said that there was a rich man who had all these things and there was a poor man who had all these things. And the word of God says that there was a traveler. Everyone say traveler. 
that there was a traveler who came to the rich man who was passing through. Can I tell us this morning that we must be careful of the travelers that come our way, amen? That we must be careful and we must keep our guard up of the travelers that come our way in life. What are those travelers? I believe that every traveler in our life begins as a thought. It begins as a thought. And David, we see this, that he goes up to the rooftop and it began as a a thought, and a thought led to lust, and lust led to sin, and sin led to murder, and all those different things. He found himself in a moment to where he allowed a traveler on the inside of his life, and he found himself laying flat on the floor on, with his face down, not knowing which way to turn, and, and found himself in one of the greatest battles of his entire life in this moment. But can I tell us on this Sunday morning that we serve a God who in his words, says in Micah chapter 7, verse 8, he says, Rejoice not over me, my, for my enemy, for though I have fallen, I will arise. Can I tell someone on this Sunday morning that it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you've been facing. It doesn't matter what mistakes you have made. It doesn't matter how far down the road you've traveled. It doesn't matter how many travelers you've allowed in your life. It doesn't matter how disconnected you've come from the Lamb of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how much the enemy has been rejoicing over you and laughing over you and pointing his finger in your face and telling you how horrible of a person you are. Can I tell us on this Sunday morning that it is not up for the enemy to rejoice for though maybe we have fallen the word of God says that we shall arise again and we must proclaim the victory power of Jesus Christ amen we find in this in this scripture we find to where God begins to speak to Nathan the prophet and we find to where Nathan is in the moment of of asking and knowing that that David is the king and he's wondering how in the world could he ever go and approach the king how how could he ever go to the king and tell him this kind of a story how could he go to him and tell him king you're living in sin he was the king in one moment he could have him killed in one moment he could have him taken out in one moment he could have him silenced but Nathan was a man of God and Nathan had heard a word from God and one day Nathan was passing through the countryside and after God had given him this word he shows up in the throne room of David. David had much respect for Nathan and allowed Nathan to come into his throne room and and he said Nathan what are you doing here and Nathan I believe was just carrying on a conversation and says oh King David man I was just I was just passing through and all throughout Nathan's mind he's thinking how can I get a story that David can relate to how how can I get a story that 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 can can penetrate the hardness of David's heart in this moment of his life. And in that moment, I believe that Nathan is standing there and he, he begins to think about all the days that, that David was on the backside of the field tending to the sheep. And he said, if I can, if I can tell a story to, to David that, that can connect to his heart once again, then I can, I, I can bring him back to being connected to Jesus Christ. I can bring him back out of this moral failure. I can bring him back to a place to where he can see and feel the presence of God like he's never felt it before. 
So Nathan begins to tell this story to David, and he says there were, there were two men who lived in the same city who lived of two totally different, vast differences of lives. You have one rich man who had it all, a, a man who had prestige, a man who had hundreds of shepherds and had hundreds of flocks and had received a name for himself. You, 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 talk, you hear this story that, that Nathan is telling of this rich man who had everything that was going for him. The Word of God also tells us in comparison to David in 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse number 13, it says this, it says, And David had made himself a name. So we find a direct connection here within the Word of God that David is still living in this moment, that he is symbolic in relationship to this rich man who had everything. He had the prestige. He had, he had everything he had ever asked for. He had made a name for himself after he had went out and, and killed the thousands. You know, you, you hear the, remember the scripture that it says that Saul has, has slain his thousands, but, but David has slain his tens of thousands. And, and in this moment, you see a, a, a a connection to where you begin to see that David begins to develop a name for himself and pride begins to set in. I believe that during this time that, that David was, was like the name that you would name your child, that, that if you had a child and it was a son, that David would be the name that you would name him because, because David was such a great, mighty king during this time. But then Nathan also begins to tell another part of the story, and he says, on the other side of town, there was a poor man, a man who was unknown, a man who was not in any social circles, a, a man who was never given any honor, a man who was overlooked, a man who was undervalued, a man who was just doing everything he can to just survive and just try to make it by. And I believe that so many times that, that we see so many hurting people that are just surviving, just trying to make it by. But I don't believe that's how God created his people to be. I believe God's people should be thriving on every platform of their life, that we should be engaging in everything that God has for us. And Nathan begins to tell this story as he continues on, and he says that one day these two lives, these two separate lives of a, a rich man and a poor man, their lives began to overlap. And the rich man had a guest, a traveler who was coming through. And instead of taking of the thousands of lambs and the, of the numerous of flocks that this rich man had, that this rich man goes to the poor man and he takes the one and only lamb that he has. Not, not just a lamb that was out there that he was raising just to, you know, to survive and do all these things, but this was one lamb who was a part of their family. It was the only lamb that they had. It wasn't, it wasn't just livestock out there. This lamb was a part of this man's family. And so the rich man leaves behind the thousands of sheep and the thousands of flocks that he has that he could at any moment go out and, and reach and grab any lamb and bring it back in and, and slay it and, and, and eat it and feed this traveler. But he chooses to go to the poor man. And he chooses to go to the poor and take the one and only lamb that this man had. The word, the, the word lamb throughout the word of God, as I told you earlier, is always representation of, of Jesus Christ. And, and it always has representation of the sacrifice that, that has to be made. And in Exodus chapter number 12, verse 3, it tells us this. It says, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th. Everyone say 10th. On the 10th of this month. 
Every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father and a lamb for a household. You will find all throughout the scripture and studying about the sacrifice and how that ever since the, the, the fall of Adam and Eve that there always has had to be a sacrifice. There always has had to be blood that was shed for remission of sins. Amen. You'll find that all throughout the word of God. And you will understand that how throughout this scripture it tells us that, that whenever there comes to the point of the lamb that it says that one every man. Everyone say every man. That every man must have a lamb. You move from every man having to have a lamb to then it was every household had to have a lamb. There had to be a lamb that was sacrificed, a lamb that was slain for every man and a lamb that was slain for every household. You also must understand in context of all of this that whenever a firstborn child, a firstborn son was brought forth, that, that there either had to be a lamb that was sacrificed for that firstborn child or they had to go out and find a colt and break the neck of that colt. There always had to be a sacrifice for the firstborn son. And that's the reason why Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, rode upon a colt into the city before his sacrifice. And that's a whole nother message I don't have time to preach. But you must understand there's so much symbolism in everything that I'm saying in this this morning. And they began to, to get this lamb, and, and they began to, uh, you know, go and from a household, from a, a, a personal lamb to a, uh, from a household lamb to a personal lamb, all those different things. You'll find it all throughout the Word of God. Can I tell us here at Sanctuary on this Sunday morning that we can, we can get by with not having the greatest of things in life. We can get by with going hungry. We can get by with, with, with going thirsty. We can get by with a lot of things and without a lot of things. But there is one thing in life that we can never get by with, and that is without having a lamb to be connected to. Amen? That we, we can have all the luxuries of life, and we can have all the great things in life. But if we have all of those things but we do not have a connection with a lamb, then we have absolutely nothing in this life to live. Amen? And we see in this, this story that this rich man had exceedingly, but the poor man had nothing. But the Word of God says, but he had one little lamb. Can I tell us this morning that he had no wealth, he had no prestige, he had no honor, but he had the greatest gift anyone could ever had. He had a connection with the Lamb. Can I tell us this Sunday morning that you may not be able to give others many things, but if you can give others a connection to the Lamb of Jesus Christ, then you have everything that you can give. If you're a parent here on this Sunday morning and you say that I don't have the greatest of luxuries to pass down from, to my kids. I don't have, we don't have much. We don't have this. We don't have that. Can I tell us this, that greater than a college education, greater than fortune, greater than fame, greater than the nicest automobile, greater than anything in this world that this world could ever have and ever offer. There is nothing greater than being able to pass down a family or pass down to your kids a lamb, a passion for the Lamb of God, and a love for the Lamb of God. We need in this day and age and with this generation more than ever, we need parents and families that get back connected to the Lamb and pass 
passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation, a connection and a love and a passion for the Lamb. Listen to me. I'm not, I'm not one of these that's all about this hyper grace. I'm not one of these that's all about all these different teachings that are going around. And, and, and I believe that we are living in a day and age and a time that we just need to get back to the place of being connected to Jesus Christ and understand it's all about Him being crucified and salvation. It's all about that. Forget about all this other stuff. Forget about the sports traveling. I'm not saying you can't have fun. I'm not saying don't pull your kids out of those things. But what I'm saying is that we live in a day and age, I'm telling you, for 15 years of youth pastoring, I watched as students would begin to engage in ministry and they begin to engage in the power and the anointing of God. And then when spring season hit, I watched that in that engagement as parents would pull their kids out of youth ministry to travel with them on Sundays and Wednesdays and every other time that church was going on because it was the only time that was available. Can I tell you something that greater than raising your kid to be the greatest MLB or NFL player or whatever you want to raise them to be. The greatest thing you can instill into your child is having a connection with the Lamb of God. The greatest thing that you can give to this generation is seeing a generation that is connected fully, full throttle, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It is the greatest thing that you could ever give to this generation. There's nothing greater. See, the man could have felt down for himself in this story, could have felt sorry for himself, but the truth is that he had a lamb to show for himself, and he was proud of that little lamb because it was more than just an animal. It was more than just a pet. If you catch the word in the scripture there that we just read, this lamb lived in the house with them. Did you catch that when you read that? That this lamb, it says, sat at the table with them. It said that this lamb ate from the table with them. It said that this lamb drank from the same cup as them. Now, I'm not one for allowing animals to come sit at my dining room set and sit at the other end of the table and eat off of a plate and drink out of the same cup that I'm drinking in. I have... OCD problems to a degree because I do not allow anyone to drink after me or I don't allow myself to drink after anybody. I can't stand that. That's just me. That's just who I am. Hate me, whatever. I'm cool, but but that's just who I am. And so having an animal sitting at the end of the table that is eating a lamb that sits at the end of the table. I want you to get this picture with me this morning that this man had a lamb who was in the home that it says was as a daughter to this family that sat at the end of the table that whenever they would pass the food around. They would put food on the plate in front of that lamb. That whenever they would drink from one cup, they would pass the cup from person to person to person and the lamb would drink out of the same cup and they would continue passing it around. This lamb was more than just a pet. This lamb was a part of the family. Now I want you to look at this. The lamb sitting at the table represents common union. Communion. The lamb drinking out of the same cup represents, when we all partake in communion, the blood of Jesus Christ. Common communion means common union. 
this family was in common union together. They sat around the table. And, you know, we live in a day and age today to where there are very few families. And, and I'm ashamed to say that, that I stay on the road so much and traveling so much that, that me and my family are the same way, that, that, that you don't see many families that sit down around a, a dinner table anymore to just be a family and eat dinner. Maybe at Thanksgiving, but that's about it. We live such a fast-paced life, but, but the Word of God is teaching us here that there is something that is important about coming together and having common union together as a family and allowing the Lamb of God to be a part of that common union. It says that this family had a love for the Lamb. This Lamb was not just a pet that they would pet on occasion and go back to life every single day. This lamb was not just a lamb that, let me put it in terms that we can understand. This lamb was not just a lamb that when we come to church on Sunday morning that we feel good and we listen to the lamb and we're around the lamb in this kind of a setting and then we go back out but we leave the lamb at the church. Are you with me this morning? This wasn't a lamb that, that, that we only went and visited on the back side of the field once or twice a week and, and just went and gave them a little food. When, when we remembered it, this was a lamb that spent time with them every single day, every area of their life. This lamb was a part of it. This lamb was a part of them. Can I tell us this morning, real Christianity is when the lamb is a part of every area of your life. But if you leave the lamb here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and you leave him here when you go back out there, then you you don't understand what real Christianity is like. But real Christianity is when you wake up in the morning, the lamb is right there with you. When you go to bed at night, the lamb is right there with you. When you go to Walmart, the lamb is right there with you. Real Christianity is whenever we get connected with the lamb and take him everywhere that we go. Can I tell us this? Real Christianity is not a petting zoo. Are you with me this morning? Real Christianity is not just us being able to come and enjoy God's presence when we want to and feel like that we can go out and do whatever we want to, but then come right back into God's presence. Can I tell us this Sunday morning that you are on dangerous territory if you think that you can come in and experience God and then go out and do whatever you want to do because you think that God will always be there. God always loves you and God will always be there for us. But can I tell us something that grace is there but we must never abuse grace. We must never understand and take it for granted, say that grace will always get me out and I can go and sin and do this because grace is always there. No, that is not the way the Word of God was set up for us to understand. Grace is always there to help us out of trouble and His mercy is always there when we need it. But we need to understand that we must stay connected to the Lamb of God. We must be connected to the Lamb. Can I tell us this morning that if we want life in our home, we've got to get connected to the Lamb. If we want children in this day and age that honor God, then we have to get connected to the Lamb. Parents used to come to me all the time and say, oh, I just don't understand. My, my child is going crazy and they're doing all this kind of crazy stuff and they won't listen to anything that I'm saying. They won't listen to anything that I'm doing, all these different things. And, and, and I looked at them and I said, when's the last time that you were in church? 
Because we can't put the fault on this generation alone. We must understand that there has to be a generation before that gets connected to the Lamb to pass it down to the next generation. You want your marriage to last? You got to stay connected to the Lamb. It's important for us to bond this generation and our families with the Lamb. We must feed the Lamb every single day. You might be here this morning and say, well, I can't do all those things. Maybe you can't. Maybe you, you can't afford all the other things of this life. Maybe you can't do all these things or see what other people's doing all that. But there's one thing that you do have. You can give them a passion for the Lamb. I ask us this morning, is the Lamb in your family? Are your children growing up with the Lamb? Is the Lamb in the home? When people come to your home to visit you, when they open up the door, are they bombarded by a little lamb that is running around in the home? It's the smell and the atmosphere of the home, an atmosphere where there is a lamb that is present. When they walk in and sit down at your dinner table to eat with you, do they see a lamb that is sitting with you? Do you take time to pray over what God has blessed you with? Is there a lamb that is present in your home? Because can I tell us this morning that atmosphere is everything. And whenever we create an atmosphere, you want to know why it is that when you come here on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and every other time in between that you feel and sense the power and presence of an almighty God, it is because there have been people who have labored there have been people who have worked hard and fought on your behalf to make sure that the lamb is fed here every single day that there is a lamb that is walking in this mist that there's an atmosphere that is created so that you can come and have common union with the lamb when your teenager gets into a bad relationship And that relationship, those two come to your home. Is there a lamb that's constantly trying to get in between them to stop them? Is there a lamb that is in your home that is constantly there with your kids, watching over them and protecting them and leading them, guiding them and directing them? Is there a lamb in your home? We find throughout this story, we find that David, after having committed one of the greatest moral failures of his life that he had found himself disconnected from the lamb he had found himself in a position to where now he had others that were tending to the sheep he had thousands of shepherds and thousands of flocks that others were tending to the sheep for him, that others were taking care of those things for him. Can I tell us, if, we're, if when we come to God's house, if that's the only time that we open up the word of God to read it as the pastor or whoever is speaking begins to read the word, then we are doing the exact same thing because we are allowing other shepherds to take care of the flock for us and just come and see him when we want to see him. And just come experience Him when we want to experience Him. Can I tell us this morning that God is so real that you don't have to wait till you come to church to experience Him. But you can experience Him 24-7 no matter where you are. You don't have to wait to come here. 
One of my greatest pet peeves was whenever congregation members and, and people would tell me that, that I'm trying to get someone to church so, Pastor, you can get them saved. And I'm like, why? Why can't you get them saved? They don't have to come to church to get them saved. Listen, as a shepherd, you are a leader. You are a protector of the sheep. That's who you are as a pastor. You are a shepherd. The last time I checked, shepherds never give birth to sheep. It is only, that would be pretty weird. Only sheep give birth to sheep. Are you with me this morning? And whenever you and I are Christians and you and I are, are, are sheep, we are considered sheep. As a pastor, I was considered a shepherd. But as a Christian, I was considered a sheep. Can I tell us this morning that we don't have to wait for people to get to the house of God to get saved, but right there where you are in Walmart, right there where you are at the gas station, right there wherever it is in your home, when families acting crazy, stupid, or ignorant, whatever, and whenever they're doing things they shouldn't be doing, right there in those moments, you can invite the Lamb of God to come and invade and take authority over every situation. You don't have to wait for Pastor Heath to come and do those things, but you have been given power and authority through the name of Jesus Christ. The problem is, is we think that we have to come to God's house for that to happen. And the problem is because we're reluctant to stay connected to the lamb. David found himself disconnected from that lamb. He no longer had a lamb that was set at the table with him. I look back upon the the life of David and in those moments of thinking of him as that young man on the backside tending to the sheep and I think about those moments where I can imagine that David's back there just singing and worshiping and just spending time with God and watching the sheep and protecting them and leading them and I can think of those moments that he's sitting underneath a a tree with a little shade and the little lamb that's newborn comes running up and lays down on his chest, can hear his heartbeat and there David's laying and there's sheep all around him and there's sheep that are laying upon him and there's a little lamb that's laying on his chest listening to his heartbeat. When's the last time that you just got along with God that you just spent time with God and you just allowed the lamb to come and lay his head upon your heart and listen to your heartbeat. When's the last time that you found yourself on the backside of a field just being able to, to surrender and just being able to freely worship God with no one else around? Listen, I'm one of these kind of preachers that I don't care how well you worship God in front of people in here. I care about how well you worship God when no one else is around. That's the kind of pastor I am. Because it matters what we do in secret. David, who had went out to fight a giant because that giant was defiling his God. David 
who had began to rise up on the inside in this moment, in this story, when he began to get connected back as Nathan was telling this story, and he began to realize the lamb. He began to, memories began to flood uh, throughout his life of those moments of being with those sheep and those moments of being with the lamb. And in those moments that Nathan is telling the story, he stops and he says, Nathan, and he stops him. And he says, who is this man? Whoever this man is, go find him because he's going to pay. And he will pay fourfold for what this man has done. Anger rose up on the inside of him because there was a man who was stealing from another man. There was a man who was trying to disconnect a relationship. I began to think as I visualized as Nathan, the prophet, takes his finger and he points it at David, and he says these words, as Scripture tells us. He says, David, you are that man. David, you are that man. And I believe in that moment that David sank back in his throne, and he began to realize that all this time of him trying to hide and cover up this sin, and and one sin leads to another sin, and another sin He realized that throughout my entire life and throughout my journey, pride began to get to me. I made a name for myself, and I began to have all these different things, and people began to serve me, but I forgot where I came from. I became disconnected from where God had called me out of and where he called me from. And because of what David had said, you will study throughout the Word of God, where it shows that David lost four of his kids, Bathsheba's son, Amon, Absalom, and Adonijah, because of this sin that he had committed, because he found himself disconnected from the Lamb. And I began to think about all of this in this story and the Lamb that is here, and I promise I'm closing in the next hour and a half. I'm going to think about all this that was going on. And I went back to Exodus chapter number 12. In Exodus chapter number 12, verse number 5, it says this. should be on the screen. It says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. It says this. It says, now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And as I studied this, I realized something that I'd never seen before. When I read to you earlier, I had you say a certain number. I heard, had you say the 10th day. That it was the 10th day that they went out and they picked the lamb without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. To bring it in, to prepare it for sacrifice. This is during the Passover. You know, whenever the ten plagues were going on, and it came to the last plague to where the the firstborn son was going to be taken, and they had to go and find a lamb, and they they had to kill it. They had to sacrifice it and place the blood above the doorpost. Everyone knows that story. But I saw something in this that I've never seen before. 
Because I always thought that they went out that day and they, they found that lamb and they killed that lamb and they, they then put the blood on the doorpost and went to bed that night. But that's not what the word of God says. It says this. It says that you shall keep it until the 14th day. That for four days, that lamb had to stay in that home. Before that lamb could be sacrificed, that lamb had to stay with the family in that home. Because it said that that lamb had to be without spot, without blemish, without anything wrong with it. And I don't know about you, but if if that was the the commands that was there, I'm going to take very special care of that sacrifice that I'm about to do in four days. Amen? That like there's going to be national security around this lamb because our family depends on it. That, that the life of our family, because if this lamb is not taken care of, and if this lamb is not presented as the ultimate sacrifice on this day, then when the death angel comes, he's going to take our family. He's going to take our firstborn son. And I begin to think about that as that, as the word of God is saying that if you want your family to be saved in this moment during the Passover, if you want your family to be saved, there must be blood on the doorpost. There has to be evidence that there was and is a lamb present in the home. And it says that each family took the lamb on the 10th of the month, but waited until the 14th day to kill it. For four days you will find, whenever Jesus enters into the city of Jerusalem, that for four days he is there with the people. He is spending time with the people right before he is about to be sacrificed. It all lines up throughout the word of God where Jesus was playing the role of being the ultimate lamb of the Passover for us to be connected to. That for four days you have the ultimate lamb without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish rides upon a colt. The colt doesn't have to give his life because the lamb is headed into town to give his life. And for four days he spends time living among the people, proving himself in the homes and showing that he is the lamb, the ultimate Lamb of God. Can I tell us this morning that if you don't want your family to die, you've got to have a lamb. If you don't want your kids to run away, you've got to have a lamb. I know I'm young, but there's an old saying that I grew up in in church. And I'm not trying to be traditional when I say this, but there's an old saying that said that when people, that parents, moms, and dads, that they would plead the blood of Jesus over their kids before they left home. Can I tell us that we need a generation of people today that plead the blood over people's life more than we've ever needed a generation before? Because we need a generation that is connected to the Lamb. It couldn't be just an ordinary lamb. It had to be the perfect lamb. It had to be without any problems, without anything. It had to be a sacrifice that was there. And for four days, there had to be a connection with the lamb. I want you to think with me. I like stories. When I read the word of God, I think of it as a story and and as a movie that's like playing in my head. 
I want you to think with me as mom and dad get up one morning and they gather the kids around. And they said, kids, today's a very important day. Today's a very special day. Today, we get to go pick out a lamb. And dad gets the kids, mom's holding the kids, and little girl runs and jumps up in dad's arms, and they're walking out to the back of the pasture, and they go out and they're looking at the lambs, looking for the perfect one. You know, like taking your kid to the pet store and all the fish look the same, all the dogs look the same, whatever, but it has to be that perfect one. And they're out there in the back of the pasture and they pick up that lamb and they find that he's the perfect one and he's just so loving, he's so playful, he's jumping around and all the kids are having fun and they take a leash and they put around his neck and begin to try to pull him. He won't come, so they reach down and they pick him up and they carry him back to the home and they bring him into the house and that rest of that day, the kids are just playing around and they go and sit down to eat and the lamb hops up on top of the table and they have a plate there and the lamb's eating off of the plate and the lamb is drinking from the cup and the kids are just laughing and carrying on and the rest of the day they're running around from room to room to room. It's like playing chase and the lamb is just following them around and chasing them around and the kids are all having fun and there's laughter in the home and they go to sleep that night and Dad walks in and he opens up the door and he looks in the room where the kids are and he notices the kids are laying there quietly asleep and there's a lamb that's laying on their chest. And there in that room, he sees his children so happy, asleep with a lamb. The next day, they get up and it's the same routine. There's laughter in the home. There's playing going on. There's all these things that are going on and For four days, this goes on. He finds himself, mom and dad, that the lamb comes up and dad's in the recliner watching TV and the lamb hops up and is laying on dad's chest and there's a connection with the lamb. And then on that fourth day, father gets up knowing what's to come that day. Today's the day that we have to sacrifice. And he walks into the room and the little lamb jumps up and it's the first one awake and he's running through the home and just so happy, just so joyous. The lamb walks in the room and looks up at dad and realizes that today is the day. Lamb's running around. Father goes and gets the mom, and they talk about how the day's going to go. And they go and they wake their kids up, and they bring their kids. And they say, Kids, I believe Dad's saying this with tears streaming down his face. As he kneels down and looks his kids in the eyes, he says, Kids, Today's a day that we have to give honor to God. And today's a day that something has to happen in order for us to live. 
And if this doesn't happen, then we're going to die. He says, well, Dad, what's going on today? What, what's, what's, what's today? And they said, gather your belongings and grab the lamb. We've got to head to town. And along the journey, Dad is thinking of all these things that's got to happen. And he's seeing his kids that are running and laughing and running up and down the street. And the lamb's running there with them. And then they get to the moment and the place. And Dad kneels down and he grabs that lamb. And he holds it tight. And he says, kids, say goodbye to the lamb. Because today, this lamb is going to give his life so that you and I can live. And I think about that. And I think about how so easy it us it is for us to find ourselves in the same place that David was in. Can I get someone for the worship team to come up, please? That we find ourselves in the same position that David was in. That we can become so busy with the routine of life and the routine of church that we lose that connection with the Lamb. Why was it that God had orchestrated and had it set up that the lamb had to live in the home for four days? Why was it that there had to be that kind of a sacrifice that had to be made? I believe it was because God wanted us to understand that it had to cost us something. You see, David sacrificed another man's lamb that didn't cost him a single thing. He had found himself disconnected. But whenever you and I have a connection to the lamb, you and I don't have to go out and find that sacrifice and bring it back in. You and I don't have to go through the process of trying to explain those things to our kids. But you and I do have the amazing honor and amazing privilege of being able to pass down from generation to generation and look one generation to the next in the eye and tell them, you want to know why you get to live? You want to know why you get to enjoy life? You want to know why you get to enjoy all the things you get to enjoy? You know, I've been raised in a, and blessed by my family in so many ways. But of all the blessings from my family, you want to know what the greatest blessing and the greatest gift that I have that I can say? Is that I had a mom and a dad who unashamedly stayed connected to the Lamb. I had a mom and a dad that when you come into the home, there is a presence that you know that there is a Lamb that is present in that home. I had a mom and a dad that set me down at a young age 
and said, Lee, this life is great, but there's an even greater life. And we serve a God who sent His Son, the ultimate Lamb, the ultimate sacrifice, and He came and gave His life so that you and I can live. And today, I say all that I've said today to tell us this. There are some that I believe that are in this place that, number one, possibly don't even have a relationship and never have had a relationship with this lamb. But then, two, I believe that there are some in this place this morning that over the course of life, over the course of the adversities and the circumstances and the situations and all the things that have come against you, that there has been a slow deterioration in your connection with the Lamb. That struggle after struggle, temptation after temptation, time and time and time again. And some of us leave it over as an excuse and say, well, it's just life. I'm just a teenager. That's expected of me. No. No. I disagree. Because I believe that there is such power in the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made that you and I can live a life of freedom. And I don't know where you may be at on this Sunday morning. But I can tell you this. That the greatest thing that you can ever have and ever possess is having a connection with the Lamb. David had this great failure, great failure, committed adultery, committed murder. But you know what David's known for? He's known for still being the greatest king And he's known for being a man after God's own heart. Can I take us back to Micah? Rejoice not over me, my enemy. For though I have fallen, I will arise. I don't care what has come and invaded in your life and has tried to take you down and has tried to separate you and try to disconnect you. I don't care what thoughts, what lies, what anything that the enemy has tried to tell you. What I care about this morning is for you to understand that there has been a sacrifice that has been created and given on your behalf and his name is Jesus Christ and all you have to do is get connected with the Lamb. Would you all please stand with me this morning? Father, today, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your anointing. God, I've given my best this morning, given all that I felt like you placed inside of me. And God, now, this is the moment that I can't do anything, but only you can do. God, begin to soften the hearts. Begin to prepare. Begin to speak. Begin to nurture. Begin to love. 
Let us all this morning examine and ask ourselves, are we still connected to the Lamb? Is there a Lamb that is present in our home? Do our kids see the Lamb? Do our families see the Lamb? Do our friends see the Lamb? Father, thank you for being faithful. This Sunday morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor Lee, man, first and foremost, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I've been running. This is the most important part of the service this morning and how you respond. Say, but today I realize and I understand that it doesn't matter where I've been. It doesn't matter what I've done. There is nothing too great. I want to get connected to the Lamb. Say, Pastor Lee, that's me. Would you just slip your hand up so we could just say a simple prayer with you? That's you this morning. Just slip your hand up right where you are. Is there anyone this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask for some prayer partners for this church to come towards this front. And I'm going to ask those of you that raised your hand. This is not to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you to make one step. It's going to take courage, it's going to take boldness, but I can promise you that when you take this step of faith for God, God will take a step of faith for you, and he will meet you right where you are. You say, Pastor Lee, man, that's me, and I really mean this. I want to get connected to this lamb. If that's you, would you just slip out from where you are and just come down to this front? I'd love to pray with you this morning. Don't worry about what other people are going to think if you just begin to slip your way out. Can, can we give a round of applause for those that are coming this morning? Come on, can we just celebrate with them this morning? Can I get a couple people to come and just pray for this young man over here? Anyone else? You raise your hand and you need prayer. Secondly, I'm going to ask someone, come please pray. Secondly, this morning, you would say, Pastor Lee, man, I love Jesus with everything that there is within me. But I found myself becoming disconnected. Temptation, struggles, things, life in general, just whatever it is, there's been things that have been trying to take me down distractions. Would you simply pray for me? Can I tell you this morning, I believe that there is freedom in Jesus Christ. You're here this morning, and every eye closed this morning, you would say, Pastor Lee, man, that's me. There's been some areas of my life I've been struggling with, and some things that I know that the enemy's trying to take me out and take me down with, and I want God to move in my life this morning. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you are? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. If that's you this morning, you raise your hand and you would say, I want prayer this morning. I just, I just want to pray with you this morning. And you're willing to step out and just come down towards this front and just surrender to God and just allow God to move on your behalf. I want to open these altars and say, won't you come? 
Won't you come? Won't you just come and allow God to bring a connection back? Won't you come in this moment, this morning, this morning as the worship team begins to sing this last song as we close out, won't you come and just spend a little bit of time with God on this Sunday morning?